Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Garden City, because what you do matters. And today I want to, this is a great series that, um, you know, it's, today's message is entitled, It's All Spiritual. And I want to encourage us in this. I want to give us a little bit of background. Monica mentioned some of these, me- these scriptures last week, but I want to just review these because they, they are so foundational to this series. And uh, we're going to just start at the beginning, a very good place to start. Uh, some of you Sound of Music fans got that reference. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 26, this is God speaking, and he says, Now let us conceive a new creation, humanity made in our image. If you didn't see last week's uh, that video that accompanied the message, great. Go, go back into about how we were created in the image of God. Really good. I don't want to stop there. Our image fashioned according to our likeness, and let us grant them authority over all the earth, the fish in the sea, that's just proof that we're supposed to fish, the birds in the sky, the domesticated animals, and the small creeping creatures on the earth. So God did just that. He created humanity in his image. He created the male and female, and then blessed then God blessed them and gave them this directive, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth. I will make you trustees of my estate. So care for my creation and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every creature that roams across the earth. In this, this Genesis vision of humanness, we were created for work. We were created to work. Now, now some, some might think, well, that was, work was a result of the curse, but it wasn't. Hard, hard, difficult work was the result of the curse, but we were created from the very beginning to work. That was because we see we were created in the image of a working God. We were created to work. We don't work to live, we live to work. It's why God has put us here. We were created, I love this, we were created to care and to rule. And so you need both. To rule well, you must care. And to care well, you must rule. Because if, you, we, if we don't care, we make terrible rulers, but if we don't rule, we make terrible carers. And so this is where this is what God said. Let us make mankind in our in, in our likeness, so that they may care and they may rule. These two these two together's, and then it says in Genesis chapter two verse eight, it says the eternal God planted a garden in the east in Eden, a place of utter delight, and placed the man whom he had sculpted there. And that word Eden, it just means it simply means delight. God created this place that was a delight. How many of you have places you like to go on the planet that are just a delight? A delight. I had to settle for just looking at a wallpaper picture of the place we usually go in the winter that I would call my delight. 
but there's, there's just something that when you get out into nature, it's just a, it's a delight. But God created this. He, he started this place that was a delight. And it, then he placed man in it and he said, you, you need to continue to care for this. You need to continue. You, he, he basically commissioned us to, to take this and take the garden and take it to the ends of the earth. And then we're going to jump to the end of the Bible. We're going to start at the beginning and we're going to end at the end. They're great, it's a great way to do things. And it's the last, the last chapter of Revelation, the last two chapters of Revelation. They just, they are actually, um, there's, there's many references that go right back to the first chapters of, the, of, of Genesis. And Revelation 22, this is, this is John and he's writing, he's having this vision, and he said that in this vision, my heavenly guide brought me to the river of pure living waters, shimmering as brilliantly as crystal. It flowed out from the throne of God and of the Lamb, flowing down the middle and dividing the street of the holy city. And on each bank of the river stood the tree of life, firmly planted, bearing 12 kinds of fruit and producing sweet crop month after month, every month throughout the year. And its soothing leaves that grew on that tree of life provided precious healing for all of the nations. And uh, this is, we see, we see this image of, of, we would call this heaven. This is the new Jerusalem. This is, this is kind of the finished purpose of God in living reality. And we see it's, it's not a return to Eden. But it's a return, it's something has changed. What we see is it's not a garden anymore, but it's actually a city that has garden-like properties to it. We see this, this, this tree, the tree of life standing on each side of the bank. We see, uh, we see the, the, the leaves that are the, healings of the, the healing of the nations. See, if Jesus' agenda was to just put everything back the way it was, that means the, at the end of all things, we're going to end up naked in a garden. Some of you have heard of that, naked gardening. It's a thing. But that's not where we find the end. At the end, we find ourselves in this new Jerusalem with walls and gates and streets and dwellings and restaurants and art and culture and humanity and community and food and drink and music we find a city that has delightful properties. A city that has delightful properties. See, the garden was never supposed to stay a garden. The earth started wild and untamed, but it ends as a city that's like a garden where all of life, humanity, and creation thrive together. This is the end picture. It's interesting... Just listening to that video that Dennis had, uh, he, he made a comment. I don't see a different, I, I don't like the term going to work. And you know what's really interesting is in the, in the Hebrew language, there is actually no term for the word spiritual. They actually don't have a word in Hebrew for the term spiritual. Why? Because in the, in the Hebrew worldview, all of life is spiritual. 
Everything you do is spiritual. It's not just when you show up to church or when you, when you tune into church or you're listening to a spiritual podcast or you're reading a spiritual book. In the, in the, in the Hebrew culture, everything you do is spiritual. It's all connected. It's all spiritual. There isn't this division. And the, another interesting thing is the word for work in the Hebrew is also translated in other parts of the Old Testament that same word is translated worship. So work and worship are actually in the Hebrew language stem from the same word. And so there's this, there's this, we in our Western society, we kind of divide portions of our life. Well, this is my spiritual life. And then, you know, I have to, I have to like clean the garbage or I have to clean the vehicle or I have to go to work, which is not worship. But in, he, in the Hebrew culture, everything you do is all connected. And we're all, everything we do matters and we are all called to play a role in this unfolding of creation towards this vision of New Jerusalem. Yeah. We're all called to be contributors to this thing called Eden or delightful, to create, well, I'm going to get into that in a second. The first thing we see about God, the very first trait that we see about God is that he's a creator. We see that he's a worker, but we also see that he's a collaborator. We see him making humanity not as slaves, but we see him making humanity as co-laborers. He, he starts creation and then he creates man in his image. And then he says, you continue developing creation. You continue to work and bring out the potential of this thing called creation. And our first assignment literally is to partner with God in the unfolding of, of this planet to take it somewhere beautiful. This is, our, this is central to our humanness is to be a part of this unfolding of God's creation and, and to see that everything we do is a part or can play a part in this unfolding of God's creation. You, you may say, but I'm just a mechanic. I just fix vehicles. But it's, it's much more than that. What you do, it may be the thing that gets a family safely to the next de destination. What you do might be the thing that allows that trucker to make a living to provide for his family or her family. You say, well, I'm just a, you know, I'm an interior designer. How does designing, how can that be spiritual? But it's bringing, you're, you're, a bringing, you're bringing a standard of beauty, which, you know, part of that, that word of Eden is delight. It's beautiful. You're bringing, beauty is a trait of God. God likes beauty. Just, just go read the details of New Jerusalem. It's a beautiful place. The walls are, there's, there's jewels in the walls. He paves the streets with gold. I don't, I don't think that was just because he wants to show how rich he is. I think it's because he's, he's wanting to say this is a place of, of beauty and depth. When it comes to parenting or, or teaching, it's the work and the art of caring for the unfolding of human lives. The simple truth is, is that everything matters and everything is spiritual. 
When we reduce our life down to just earning a paycheck, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. And we're doing the image, we're actually doing a disservice to the image of him who created us. To be bringers of beauty and unfolding and helping, helping to play a role in human flourishing on the earth. By our very nature, we see that, that life works better when we co-labor with one another. And something as simple as a cup of coffee. How many enjoy your cup of coffee in the morning? I love coffee. I don't. Back in World War II, people did not have coffee. Can you imagine, like, not having coffee? Some of you can imagine it because you don't drink coffee. But I, I just think of all the trials of World War II, that might have been... Right at, it's like, it's like today, it's like, wear a mask. You can't have coffee. I can wear a mask. <clears throat> if it means I can have coffee. But the, the complexity of a simple cup of coffee that you enjoy in the morning, it's not just somebody who makes you a cup of coffee. If you're going and buying your coffee from a, from a coffee shop, it's not just somebody, it's not just the barista who makes your coffee, but somebody had to actually source that coffee from another part of the planet because guess what? Coffee doesn't grow here. So somebody has to go to usually a warm tropical destination and get that coffee. But there's, there's more than that. Somebody had to roast that coffee so that it would be palatable. And somebody had to... Somebody had to get a cup. So somebody, there's an entire industry dedicated to you having a cup to drink your coffee in. But you know, there's also an entire industry. There's an entire uh, pool of people that have pooled together so that you can have a stir stick <laughs> that goes inside that cup and stirs your cup. And then there's a whole other industry that makes a little sleeve that goes on the outside. And then a lid that goes on the top. We are, we, we are collaborative. We were created to be collaborative. And when we collaborate well, life goes well. Life becomes delightful when we work together. Life becomes delightful when we cooperate with one another. John Mark Comer in his book, Garden City, which is the inspiration of this series, he makes a statement. He said, his way of life is about living a seamless, integrated life where, pol the, where the polarization between the sacred and the secular is gone. And all of our life is full immersion in what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. But this will never happen unless we recapture a theology of work and rest and the art of being human. In other words, it's, it's all integrated. It's all spiritual. It all matters. And uh, we've talked about this. There's the, the, the Hebrew word for police. Police. It's not the Hebrew word for police. It's the Hebrew word for peace, which is probably not the same word as police. <clears throat> but the, the Hebrew word for police, good night, for peace is the word shalom. 
And it's, we, I've talked about this before, but the word shalom is so much more complicated and uh, intricate than just peace. You know, we can say, you know, peace, bro, or peace, sis. It, but <laughs> that's what you can start saying this week. Peace, sis. Almost sounds like a swear word, doesn't it? <clears throat> But that word, you know, in the, in the English language, it does, it's actually really, it really fails to capture the depth of this word, shalom. This word shalom means may, when you say shalom to someone, you're saying, may everything in your life be as it should be. May your life work the way that your creator intended your life to work. Maybe you, may your emotions and your heart and your thinking and your reasoning be settled into the way God created you and designed for you to experience on this earth. It's a rich word. We don't have an English word that, that meets this description. And it's, it's interesting, we were reading, I was reading yesterday in our online, we have our uh, devotional through our online location, there's this devotional we go through every week. And yesterday, there was this, there was these thoughts, why did Jesus, when he, when he came and he, hit, he healed the, the crippled and he, and he gave sight to the blind, well, why did, what was the motivating force and the, the author made this statement. He said it, it basically came down to when Jesus looked at people in these situations, he looked at these situations and says, you know what, where I come from, this wouldn't be this way. Where I come from, there won't be blind people. Where I come from, there will no longer be uh, crippled or lame people. And so when he looked at these situations, he just simply spoke what, he, what his kingdom is like into their lives. He turned, why did Jesus turn water into wine? Because he looked at this situation and he said, in my kingdom there will never be wedding feasts where people run out of wine. You put that in your theological pipe and do what you want with it. I personally would put hot wings on that list myself. We'll never have a party where we run out of hot wings. You know, we have, we see that humans have great capacity for good. But we also see that humans have great capacity for evil. We see that we, we, see that we have been created in the image of, of a powerful God, and so we can do powerful things, both good and evil. But the call, the call that was from Jesus to us is to start working for this thing called the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and we're designed, we're designed to rule, we're designed to influence, we're designed to, we, we can rule in a way that enhances the earth, but we can also rule in a way that destroys the earth. We can rule in a way that enhances community, or we can rule in a way that destroys community. One thing, though, that we are is we are all designed to rule, and we're all designed, we rule through our work. We work at bringing order, we work at creating, we work at community, we work at beauty, we work at culture. 
And working is at the core of our humanness because we were created in the image of a working God. We see here in Genesis, it's, it's in chapter 2, a little bit further down where I, from where I had read before. It says, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden and they were separated into four headwaters. And then it talks about the names of these uh, headwaters and it says, uh, it talks about that there's gold in the land. And he says, he goes on to say that the gold is good and there's aromatic resin, and there's onyx, and then it talks, it, it talks about, basically it just starts describing the land that's around Eden, and basically what, it's, what he's describing is that this is, this is a land made up of raw material. It's a land of potential. All the resources are there, but they have to be cultivated. They have to be unearthed. You know, cultivation is simply, it, it's simply drawing out the potential of something. It's drawing out the potential that, that, is, that is all around us. Tim Keller, he, he gives this definition of work. He puts it this way. Work is the rearranging of raw materials, of the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and, in, and people in particular to thrive and to flourish. So what have we been called to do? We've been, we've been commissioned to create culture. Part of human flourishing is, is healthy culture. Not, in, not, not allowing ourselves to become the victims of our culture, but intentional creators of culture. And if you look at the vast majority of what Jesus taught when he walked the earth, he taught culture. He taught culture. He taught, he taught things like uh, love, and meekness, and gentleness, self-control, forgiveness. He taught kindness. He taught things like love your enemies. This is culture. And if you want to start with what is God doing in my life, there's the chances are it will involve one of these things. God is doing something to change the culture of your life, but he's also doing it in you so he can do it through you. So that he can do, what does God want to do with my life? Well, he wants you, he wants you to create culture that reflects this thing called Eden, delight, beauty. Another part of our job description that was given to us in the garden was, it was called subdue or tame. Harness the potential of the earth itself. Make, make something of the world that you've been dropped into. And we can look at that on a, on like a global scale, and that's a pretty overwhelming scale to look at. But what about your world right now? What about the relationships that you, that you have right now? What about the people that you will interact with this week? Harness the, the potential Bring order into those. Bring harmony from discord. You know, Matthew 28, Jesus, Jesus gave the disciples the great commission. He said, go into all the, all the earth making disciples, teaching them to observe according to all that I have taught you. And you know, this is really just a restating of the first commission, of, 
of rule and care for the earth. But now he's attaching something deeper to it. He's saying, live a certain way. Live a certain way. Teach people to live a certain way as well. See, Jesus didn't just teach things to make us nice people. He taught us, he, he, he taught how to live so that we could live in this state called shalom, or as the way he always intended it, that we would experience life the way that he meant for it to be. To live in a place being called. You know, this whole subject of, of calling could be a very, uh, it could be a very confusing subject. Because people, sometimes you, we, we wait for this epiphany that I just need, to, I just need to, God to tell me what to do. But calling really isn't, calling typically doesn't work like that. Calling is more, more something that you unfold than you discover. It's not something that you get like a, a to-do list dropped from heaven to carry out. But it's something as you do you begin to discover what's on your list. As you, begin to, as you begin to get involved, you begin to discover. And what we do begins to grow out of who we are. What we do begins to grow out of who we are. And so how do, how do we unearth this thing called calling? Well, I think a, a great place to start is to start by asking some questions. Lots of questions, actually. And as, you, as we begin to answer these questions, it begins to unearth this thing called calling or the, or the purpose of God in our lives or to how we, can help, how, how we can help unfold this human flourishing, this state of delight in our lives. So how do, how do we unearth this, this deep calling that God has placed inside us? Well, first, the first question is, what do you love? What do you love? What are the things that, when you, when you see certain things, it's like, I love this. I love this about my church. Or I love this about society. Or I love this about people. That's a, that's a great indicator as to an area that you're called to, to be a delight or to help bring delight in these areas. What are you passionate about? Someone once said that if, when, you're, when you're looking at changing careers, the best thing to do is before you change careers is start a new hobby. And st when you start new hobbies, then get so good at a hobby that somebody will pay you to do your hobby. It's a great way to discover your passion as well. What are you passionate about? Second is what are you good at? What are you good at? The third thing is what does your world need? What does your world need? You know, it takes time to figure out what we're good at. It takes time to develop that. It, it takes time to develop the calling in our lives. And let me just talk to those that are, that are younger. There's so much pressure for young people to just know what they're supposed to do with their lives. I can tell you, now that I'm on the second side of 50, in your 20s, you're probably not going to know what to do with your life. It's actually more important that you just do things with your life that are positive so that you begin to grow as a person. 
that you begin to, there, there's way too much, like picking careers when you're 14, it's a bad idea. It honestly is. Because, because when you're 14, when you're 25, the 14-year-old will be gone forever. You won't even agree with the 14-year-old anymore. And so what's important is that, it's, what's really important is as we're developing, it's just important that we do things, that, that as, we, as, we, as we try different things, it's okay to, to try a job and decide you don't like it and change jobs. But it is important that we are doing something. It's important that something is being developed because it's, it's, as, it's as we work, God develops that call in us. Paul told the Thessalonians, this is great. This is a great verse of instruction. Mind your own business and work with your hands. <clears throat> and he, he was actually, this was actually like not being a sarcastic instruction to the church. What he was saying is that there's value in work. And there's not value in meddling. Which is, the Thessalonian church had a problem with, people had too many opinions and I'm not kidding. This is actually the Thessalonian church. They had people, but they were, they were somewhat of a socialist church. And so they would pool their money together and they would feed everybody and distribute as they needed to. But they had this problem. They had people who wouldn't work. And they had, this, they had a group of young men who would not work in the church. They would just mooch off the church. They would take free things from the church. And, and basically, they didn't contribute and so this is where we find in, in Thessalonians where Paul said, I have decreed it that if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. Like they had to deal with laziness in their church. And they had people that had all these opinions but weren't willing to actually go out and do a job. And so the, this, is, this is to a very certain that like when Paul was talking to the Thessalonian church, he was, he was actually speaking, they were a little bit too intellectual and not practical enough. And so he said, mind your own business. In other words, shut your opinion up and get your butt out in the field and do some work. And it, what he was doing, yeah. And somehow I've, I don't have a problem thinking that people in Alberta have a problem with that message. Because we are, we value work. But in, the, in that culture, they actually didn't value blue-collar blue labor. And so when Paul, Paul said this, he was saying there is value in you just working with your hands and getting out there among the people or in the field and just work. Not everything needs to be an intellectual revelation. Some things just need to just, you know what? You make Eden a delight by having working plumbing. It's just how we make Eden wonderful. And another question to ask is, is what I'm doing, does this make the world a more garden-like place? Is, is what I'm doing, does it, make, does it contribute to human flourishing? Everything is spiritual, but not everything is good. Let's stand up. I'm out of time, so I'm just going to stop there.
And I just, as we, as we conclude, I want to, I want to pray for us because I think sometimes we, you know, we've fallen into this trap of thinking that, well, I don't serve in church. So what I do isn't spiritual, but there's no division. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual to, to help your neighbor as it is to feed the poor or a spiritual it's a spiritual to show up and do your job as it is to rescue the, those dying in another in a foreign country. Everything we do either contributes to human flourishing or it detracts from it. And I want, we just close our eyes and even online we can just close your eyes wherever you're at. And Father, I pray that you would just, I just, I pray that you would speak to us about about the purpose of what you've put us here for. You've cre- you put us here to care and to rule. To care and to rule, to bring, help bring order, but to help bring order with compassion. To help bring human flourishing, to help, to help people experience what you called at the beginning Eden or that delight where our lives are immersed in an environment where they can thrive and they can grow and how our lives can help be a contribution to the thriving and growing of others. And Father, I pray that you would just help us to see the holy in the, nor- in the ordinary, to help us see those moments in our day that we've just considered mundane, but they're actually moments that are sacred because they, they have that chance to reflect your image into a, a part of our lives or a part of someone else's life that maybe they're not seeing it. Help us to reflect you and see that all of life is connected. All of life is spiritual. And you've put us here to help be a part of bringing a bringing about that, that garden of delight, a culture of delight, a world of delight and order. And that you would speak to us about our role in that place in your kingdom. And I just want to finish with one more prayer and it's just a prayer saying yes to this call to be a part of caring and ruling. It's the call of Jesus, he, and it's a call to follow him. And if you're here, or if you're watching right now online and you're thinking, I wanna be a part of this, of this delight, I wanna be a part of, I wanna respond to God's call to follow him in, in, in filling my role in his kingdom and his purpose, then I wanna invite you to just, whether you're online or in the room, just pray with me now, Jesus. I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to follow your purpose. I want to discover my place in your kingdom, in your Eden. Would you speak to me now in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.